five student suicides in two weeks. That's the only headline we should be talking about. In the last fortnight, Tamil Nadu lost five students to suicide. Young students, all of 17, with their lives, their entire lives ahead of them, resorting to extreme measures. While investigators are looking into each case separately, the deaths have raised the alarm and begs the question, is there a lack of mental health infrastructure and support systems for young, impressionable students, especially post the pandemic? Is there a pattern here? According to statistics, 12,526 Indian students committed suicide in 2020. 8.2% of suicide victims in India in 2020 were students. Why is this not being recognized as a grave crisis? What do we need to do? Where do we need to start? On We the People, we believe this is an important conversation and we've curated a panel that has worked and invested in this issue. Joining us tonight on We the People, Dr. Amit Sen, child and adolescent uh, psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Saranya T. Uh, Jayakumar, member of the Commission for uh, Protection of Child Rights and the Government of Tamil Nadu, also an educational uh, psychologist, Anubha Srivastava, president of the India Wide Parents Association, also a lawyer, Mansoor Ali Khan, general secretary of the management of independent uh, CBSE schools, the Association of Karnataka, and we have Aparna Piramal Raja, author of uh, Chemical Khichdi. Dr. Jayakumar, I want to start with you. You know, while Tamil Nadu is in the hot seat right now, the reality is, we, like I just said, that 8.2% of suicide victims in 2020 in India were students. Over 12,000 students have uh, committed uh, suicide. There are statistics that say one, child, one student commits suicide every, like, for every hour. What is going on here, doctor? I feel there is a lot of stress that children have these days, especially adolescents. Psychology says the adolescent age group, 14 to 18 years old, is the most stressed. Academic distress, especially post-pandemic, when they have lost in touch with continual education. Uh, a child that was in 7th standard before pandemic is now in class 10, and they're going to face board exams. They've missed almost... 60% of syllabus of class 8 and 9. And they were all made to pass because we understand it, it was pandemic. And now they're going to face the board exams. You see the amount of pressure that is there on the child. The amount of expectations mounting on them from family, from school. School is pushing them to score marks. Families are expecting them to be IAS officers, doctors, what not. And the child has enough distractions already and... Also, these small little relationship issues and, you know, fight between friends. All these things also pile up together and children tend to, uh, you know, get into such wrong um, uh, decisions. Uh, in Tamil Nadu, specifically in the last 15 days, almost close to <clears throat> 12 cases of children attempting suicides. Five passed away. Uh, the remaining, um, they are alive, but they are not okay because they've jumped off buildings, they've consumed poison, whatnot. So I feel there is a huge <clears throat> gap in, as you said, the infrastructure required for mental health. Schools need mm. counseling psychologists. It's just Correct. the need of the moment now. They are not okay. I think that uh, we are not okay. <clears throat> I think that is something we all need to acknowledge. Dr. Amit Sen, uh, do we then need to destigmatize mental health issues? What is what is it that we need to do first? It sounds like from what Dr. Jakumar is saying over here, uh, stress levels have gone up. 
over the past two decades, perhaps. For everyone, but we're focusing on students specifically. First, do we need to destigmatize the issue of mental health issues? Oh, absolutely. I think that we've been, professionals like us have been uh, shouting about this for decades, literally. And we have actually seen this graph of mental health uh, problems, difficulties in children, adolescents rising exponentially over the years. Even before the pandemic, pandemic hit us, uh, there were uh, very robust um, um, uh, research studies which told us that between the age of 10 to 24, as many as 60,000 or more young people commit suicide in India. More than 60,000, 63,000 was, was the, the, the official figure in uh, 2013. And uh, it is indeed the number one killer in young people, more than road traffic accidents or any other illness. That's the kind of magnitude that we are dealing with here. Um, the mental illness um, and how it has grown has also been um, uh, captured by WHO studies, you know, across the world, including India. And they have shown that in uh, by the time it was October, November 2020, after the pandemic, there was a four to five fold increase in symptoms right. of depression, anxiety, suicidal behaviors and substance misuse. That's the kind of grow, you know, yeah. increase that we have seen in these last uh, couple of years during the pandemic. And there has been no redress to that. So right from awareness building, sensitization, uh, addressing the stigma, having systems in place right across the board from schools to homes to NGOs and of course the government mechanism. There has to be an acknowledgement of how deep this crisis is, you know. Um, as I was saying that uh, India, India is said to be the suicide capital, particularly in the young. And, and right. the maximum suicides that you see are from the age of 10 to 24. Hmm. So, um, all right, I, I have uh, audience members trying to uh, uh, come in. They're uh, just gesticulating that they like to, they have to say some, something to say. Uh, Prabjot uh, joins us. What did you have to say, Prabjot? Yes, ma'am. Uh, actually, I have a question that is, uh, according to you, uh, is mental health responsible for uh, student suicide? And do and does our education system give uh, attention to mental health issues? Does our education system give attention to mental health issues? Let's talk about the education system first. We have Dr. Uh, Jay Kumar who had mentioned that, you know, Failure, children fail, a fear of failure, and there's so much pressure on them. Parents are pressurizing them. But uh, uh, Dr. Sen, let me ask you first, is failure the cause that leads one to commit suicide? And I ask this because, you know, the Kadalor student was, I read, she was a school topper in English. She scored some 93% in class 11. Her mother, I read, you know, painfully somewhere said that she always thought their family was supportive, as was the school. She said in an interview somewhere that the teachers were always praising this child, that she was already studying for her for her upcoming test. So is it, I'm, you know, I'm trying to understand as a parent also, I mean, I can, can't imagine what it's like for this mom right now. So, uh, you know, in, in, in the way we see it, it's uh, a failure in an exam or a breakup in a relationship or a crisis at home. Let's say, uh, you know, somebody passing away, a loss, a big loss can be a precipitant, but it can, cannot be the only cause that leads up to suicide. Mm. Usually it's a culmination of many things that come together and that and uh, at least two thirds or perhaps 75 percent of people who eventually commit suicide, including adolescents, would have suffered from a mental illness before that. And the large majority of them suffer from depression. 
again, the fact is that none of us are able to pick it up in this journey that these young, young people make through the stress, the social media, the academic pressure, um, you know, expectations from the family. All of that comes together. And when there is a crisis like this, a failure in an exam or a breakup in a relationship, that precipitates the crisis. And that's when the act or the attempt takes place. But we have to understand uh, the whole uh, phenomena in a much more layered and, uh, um, you know, a, a, in a deeper way so that we can address it at different stages. We, we can't just be looking at the time that the crisis has already occurred. Sometimes that's too late, isn't it? Yeah. So we have to begin to understand what goes on before a young uh, person eventually wants to take this extreme drastic step. Mm many layers to this I, I think that's very important what you've just uh, talked about there there's there'll always be a trigger but there is always a variety of factors behind it perhaps at play let's bring in aparna piramal raje the author of chemical khichdi uh, aparna thank you for joining us you've come out publicly you've written a book that talks about your own struggles with with mental health and i want to ask you first you know when i think about this cardalor student uh, if one looked at you, look at your, I've looked at your resume and it's so impressive, former CEO of VP Algo, um, an MBA from Harvard Business School, you've read economics and politics and philosophy at Oxford University, uh, and yet at the same time you've come out to write a book that says that you've struggled with the issue of uh, mental health and, and, and depression. Yeah, I mean, when I was hearing you describe um, the story of the student earlier, I said, you know, what parallels? Because I also had a, you know, a good academic track record. But at the same time, there was a time in my life when I was standing on the terrace of my building, wondering if it was high enough for me to jump out from, you know. And and there was no reason for me to be making that kind of statement because I had a very supportive family. I had two young children. Um, and I was still feeling that, uh, you know, that I wasn't good enough from inside. So that sense of failure and not having the kind of success that I wanted myself to have, despite from the outside having everything that somebody might think would be considered a success, it wasn't enough for me. I didn't feel good enough. So I think that, you know, there's it's it's very hard to actually know what's going inside somebody's mind. And nobody certainly in my family knew that I was having these thoughts and that I was thinking in that direction at all. So, uh, Aparna, um, explain this in, then to me, because, you know, every time we have a student suicide, you know, the teacher, is, uh, teacher scolded this child and the teacher arrested and put away or father didn't give a phone to the child. There's always something like this. If we keep looking at the trigger, calling it an individual personal matter, are we then sweeping the issue under the carpet, allowing society to escape our collective responsibility? Because we had uh, Dr. Sen talking about, you know, that it being layered, multidimensional, it's a public mental health issue, it's complex, he's saying it's an intersectoral problem. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I very much agree with the doctor because I think that to look at mental health as something that is disconnected from society is, is really a fallacy. I think that uh, mental health operates at many levels. Things, uh, it's, it's about the individual, it's about their relationships, the family, the society, community, the systems in which we operate. So I think it's everything from you know the education system that we just talked about to perhaps they, they are facing marginalization and discrimination to um, not having access to the healthcare that they need, you know, for example, just this, we don't have a culture of therapy and seeking counseling, um, as we've also mentioned. So I think it's a, it, one should look at mental health really as 
a combination of all these issues and not something that is linked to a particular individual's personality or a particular incident or even to, I would say, a particular disorder or um, a mental health uh, illness. You know, I think it's a combination of factors which are all contributing to as, as triggers. So very worrying as Dr. Sen says, you know, India accounts for 20% of global suicides. Do we have policies to address this on the scale that's required? Do we even know the full picture? I mean, if we can't uh, acknowledge there's a problem, then how do we even fix it? And do we have the wherewithal to even fix it? I mean, um, let's bring in, we have another audience member, Radhika, uh, has a comment. Go ahead, Radhika. So uh, we've been uh, watching that uh, that failure has been only the reason why students commit suicide. Do you think it is the only reason? Do you think failure is the only reason? No, I think uh, Dr. Sen has just uh, touched upon that. But let me bring in what one of the other audience members had talked about, which was uh, the education system. What's the role of the education system? Uh, we have um, Mansoor Ali Khan. Uh, Mansoor Ali Khan, you know, we link farmer suicides in India to the agrarian crisis. Then, similarly, aren't student suicides a reflection of the education system overall per se? Yeah, definitely. This is uh, uh, the present uh, setup, what we've got, and so many suicides in there uh, with the young uh, adolescents and youth. There is a problem with the system. See, uh, and this problem can be sorted out there. It, it's a, a major national issue. You need the uh, central government, the state governments, the educators, the counselors, parents, teachers. Everybody has to uh, contribute collectively for this issue to be sorted out. And uh, what, uh, as an educator, I have always felt in India, uh, the pressure are so much as either it is uh, perform or perish. And we don't celebrate effort. We celebrate marks. And that has to change. And for, for example, uh, most of our schooling system is dependent on the exam, uh, the type of ex it's exam centric education. Yeah. And again, there are so many pressures. Then again, if you see, you you go back uh, with the urban uh, setup and the rural setup schools. In the urban uh, setup, the challenges are very different, where the uh, adolescents and youngsters are uh, committing suicide. Again, when you go to the rural uh, setup, there are other issues like discrimination, which, lo uh, which lead to low self-esteem. And low self-esteem leads to mental health, and that has become a real problem. So this is a very, very large issue where it has to be the, uh, along with the educators, counselors, special educators, uh, the governments, the entire society has to be involved in this. Mm. And uh, I've also felt like if, uh, that's my personal observation, earlier we used to have a joint family system where uh, uh, now the uh, families have become nuclear families. Where the, uh, earlier they, they may have been a, a social outlet for the child. So there's a lot of changing scenario. And again, urban India has a very different sort of challenges and the rural India has a very different mm -hmm. sort of challenges in schools and colleges. But overall, I think it will be fair to say that it's not the child, obviously, who's at blame. But ironically, these students blame themselves for not perhaps getting that dream job. But the fault really lies with our governments and our education institutions. We don't even give them practical vocational skills. You can't apply the education for which they compete so hard with each other, spend their parents' money, and then they find that, you know, their education can't be applied to their lived realities. But let's bring in the issue of parents. I think it was Dr. Uh, Saranya who mentioned... 
pressure of parents. Anubha Srivastav, speak for the parents here because we put the blame often at the door of the parents, right? That they're pressurizing their kids. But honestly, no parent really wants to harm their own child, right? Like, and my heart really goes out to that mom in Kadalor who's going to have to live with that question, what did she do wrong? What could she have done differently? And she'll have to struggle with that for the rest of her life. So, Anubha Srivastav, what are we parents doing wrong? And do we not know what we need to do to help ourselves, our kids? Because I know for a fact that no parent intends to do this to their kids. Agree, agree. Thanks for having me here and thanks for this wonderful show. Actually, this is a need of the hour and we are actually heading towards mental health pandemic. As I have always said, after COVID, this uh, issue has increased a lot. As far as parents are concerned, I would tell you many parents are not aware only that uh, what kind of mental stress their child is going through. Because many times in our country, it is like a taboo. If you are, if you are having any kind of anxiety or depression, students and even adults, they don't want to come forward and discuss that we are having some mental problem uh, because then they will be told to visit the psychiatrist or the psychologist. So in our country, definitely it's a taboo. That's why many people don't speak up. Even parents are not aware that their child is going through some kind of mental problem. Many children, they don't uh, discuss with their parents. So parents are not aware. Maybe some might be aware, few might be aware, but many parents are not aware that uh, the child is uh, going through some kind of mental stress. Because recently, in past few months and last two years also, we have seen so many children have committed suicide, lead aspirants, 12 sports students and many students, even MBBS graduates and those who are pursuing MBBS and other courses, they are also committing suicide. Parents are not aware what the child is going through. So we mm. need a lot of awareness among parents as well as children as, as a society, as All right. one of the panelists said, so we have you to come mentioned to awareness. You talked about this being a taboo. So let me ask uh, Aparna Piramal Rajay, why then? Why did you write? Why did you choose to come out? Come out in the open, out of the closet. I'm not sure what the word is. Why did you choose to do this? Because you've said so you have a supportive family. You could have continued. This could have been a private matter. Why go public with this? Because I thought, I think everybody needs to talk about it. And frankly, it was normalized in my head, you know, in the sense that I don't see this as a taboo subject in my head at all. Like this is part of what I live with. I'm bipolar. I live with it. Um, and I think it's a very important subject that everyone needs to talk about. It's, it's, so that's, that was re really the main reason. And I thought I had arrived at some insights in my journey of living with this for 20 years that would be helpful to other people. And that's why I wrote the book. So. All right. So then, uh, uh, Dr. Sen. Uh, yeah. Can I just add, you know, I, I think that's so important, you know, what you just said about um, needing to talk and, and to create spaces where you feel safe to talk about your inner world. I think that's a thing that we lack in our society because it's very, for instance, I mean, I don't think that any one uh, group is responsible for um, uh, suicide in students now. I mean, I'm sure everybody, all of us contribute in some way and we need to take a collective responsibility. Particularly parents, it's very hard for them to face up to this reality that their, their child might be depressed and even more so, they might want to actually kill themselves. It's one of the hardest things to hear and that's why most of the time when children and young people actually come up with statements like that, hmm. the response is often very callous to insensitive. Many times they would say, why do you have to feel like that? You have everything in your life. Just pull mm. up your socks. You just have to be brave. Or something like, what's this drama about? We've had enough of your excuses. 
And when young people who are already going through mental health problems do not find the space to talk about it, their other option is then to begin to harm themselves mm. and see no way out. And, and those are kind of spaces that we need to create, not just in homes, but in schools, in the larger community, so that we can talk, discuss, and actually acknowledge. You know, it's mm -hmm. a hard thing to acknowledge, but we have to acknowledge it first to be able to find solutions to it. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Saranya uh, Jaykumar, Jay then could you come in here? You're an educational uh, psychologist. What are the, like for parents who are watching, and Dr. Sen touched upon this, how do we know that perhaps, you know, what are the signs that our child could emit or what are the statements, what kind of things could they say that could, should be setting off alarm bells in our minds? Okay, the one thing that we have to notice, if the child is starting to socially isolate, that is a very, very important sign you have to look for. A very, uh, a very happy child. Uh, speaking well with others, suddenly becomes very silent, very calm, not wanting to talk much, things like that. See, I must say to all parents who are watching this show, they must understand children do not need your advice today. Children are so sensitive, they react instantly to advice. See, parents are advising, teacher is advising, tutors in their tuition classes and other classes are advising. Relatives are advising, but there is nobody to listen to this child. As Mr. Sen very rightly said, if I am an adolescent, I want to go and speak somewhere about what is running in my head. See, I might think everything all, all wrong, okay, for my age. But I want a place to go and talk this completely, open up completely. There is no such place for most children in this country. Can they go and discuss about relationship problems with parents? No. Can they go and discuss about... I'm not interested to study the subject with a teacher. No, everybody is judgmental with a child. Everybody mm. jumps in to start to give their advice. What we need is people who can listen to children. So when you have children at home, please be good listeners. Don't immediately start giving advice. Just listen to them. Just say, mm. Mm, 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 and keep listening. After 30, 45 minutes, they will open up something and then you can, you know, start giving your little suggestions slowly. Immediately when a child sits to speak and says, this is my problem, immediately starting to give advice is a wrong thing to do. And second thing, if there is a child who is always liking music or sports and suddenly losing interest in that, that's a sign you need to watch for. Mm. Because that is a sign of depression. A child that nicely dresses up all the time does not like to dress up is a sign. Child always locking up in the room, child not eating properly, child uh, uh, suddenly not interested in education at all, not wanting to go to school at all. Uh, even when friends come home to meet, this child will not want to meet the friends. Even if best friend is calling, will not attend the call. So these are signs a parent should not miss. These are little mm. red flags that every parent must watch for. Mm. What do you do, uh, Dr. Sen, if you know, parents aren't even around at home that much anymore. Everybody has their own, uh, you know, you're at work where it takes you two hours to get home. The, the fathers are absent. We can't, I mean, their jobs are taking you away, keeping you away from home from 10 to 9. And kids have to go to bed by then. I mean, this sounds, it's almost depressing. What is the way out? Um, of course, you know, our society uh, has changed dramatically, as uh, Dr. Mansoor was saying that, 
uh, we used to have a joint family. We had many more support systems. Uh, you know, our uh, communities, even within colonies, were much more robust and people would look up to each other. And we have lost that sense of community. And indeed, you're right that uh, perhaps there, are, there is no parent out there to look after or even see the changes that are coming about in the moods and the behaviors of their children. And, and that's why I think, again, it needs a very kind of proactive mindset to be able to put the safety nets in place. So even if the child, you know, parents are not there, is there an older sibling? Is there a grandparent? Could there be some other friends who you remain connected with? So, you know, when children go through stressful times, and again, I mean, this all boils down to how much awareness we have about this as parents of the whole community. We need to stretch ourselves to be able to provide uh, those safety, safety nets, which will actually address some of these crises that come up from time to time. And again, I, I, I can't agree with Dr. Jaikumar more than this space to be listened. You know, I mean, children need to be listened to, not just through your ears, but through your eyes, heart and whole being without any comments, without coming up with immediate solutions. And those are spaces that we have to create. And it's a collective effort. If parents are not there, they could be school. They could be uh, a mentor somewhere out there in the community. There could be so many different people. And, and those, those are the things that we have to think about creatively and together as a collective. We have to keep our children safe. We have to create spaces for them to talk. We have to listen to them. And I mean, foremost, I think that we have mm. to create what are called emotionally safe spaces so that we can actually uh, you know hold them we can support them through times of crisis there will be crises there will be stress there will be exams there will be breakups in relationships all those are realities of life and the pandemic has actually uh, you know sort of uh, given that. another spin to this it is it is made sort of simple things in life full of crises and and, and absolute chaos isn't it so this is a, a time to I think we look at what our priorities are. What does education stand for? What does success stand for? What do we stand for in our society in terms of value and looking after our children? Big questions, and we have to ask them now. If we don't ask them now, I don't know where, where, where we will. Absolutely, these statistics could, are could very worrying. Could I just worrying, make one I comment, think? sorry? Could I just make one comment to add to that? Like One of the things I always say, and I've said in my book also, is that mental health is a team sport. You know, you think that it's something that can be just done by one person because one person is going through, but, but it affects everyone. It affects the entire family. It affects the workplace, the school, everyone. So it really is a team sport and everyone can play a role in, in, into helping a person or a family with, you know, with And that. we all have a role to play if a child is committing suicide every hour. We're all responsible one way or the other in our jobs, in our professions, me as a journalist, the media, how we cover this. Thank you all for joining us. We feel that this was a crucial issue that we must touch upon. This whole week is a bit about sports and politics as Bollywood, as is often the case in India, and uh, a crucial issue like this we felt needed coverage. Thank you for joining us on We The People, where we believe it's important to speak up, but it's also important to listen, especially so in, uh, in this case. Thank you all.